A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast, now hanging out with Obstructed View. We are not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but we're just a bunch of fans who love the local nine and talk to baseball, including the 2016 World Series champion Cubs. Good day, this is Ken. I am Rice Cube on the socials. With me is Jeff, also known as Brasilius from Obstructive View. And we are coming to you literally hours after the trade deadline. Uh, the Cubs did some things. Other teams also did some things. We will talk about all those things. Uh, so how's that for a plan, Jeff? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. Sounds good. As the spring gave away to summer. Past the ivy-colored dreams Toward the days that kept us Yearning for tomorrows All right, so uh, I don't know if we should start with the other people or the Cubs, but uh, the Mets kind of blew themselves up, and so the White Sox. That was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, I only, I've only mostly seen headlines. I was at meetings for most of the afternoon, so I hadn't been following that close, but... It sounded like the Mets were uh, basically sending a lot of money along to to buy some prospects, which I guess is smart. I don't know how that's going to work for the luxury tax or not, but no, they still have to pay the luxury tax. But now they're instead of paying for a team that probably won't be competing, they're paying for a shot at competing in a couple of years. So they're essentially doing a. Uh, a kind of retool in a way. I think, you know, obviously they still have Lindor for now. They still have Pete Alonso and all the other guys. They obviously don't have Scherzer and Verlander anymore, but, you know, they they should be able to at least compete a little bit. But seriously competing, that's probably not going to happen for a couple of years. And they did get some pretty uh, highly rated prospects back. Uh but, you know, you, you brought up that point, like why, you know, Steve Cohen has already said, hey, I already spent the money. Let's try to shore up our farm system now that we're not competing anymore. So it seemed like he was just perfectly happy to send along the money that was already spent so that you could buy those prospects. And, you know, the there, there's a couple of things that are on my mind. One is kind of like the Padres who spent a lot of money and. You know, they're not selling. They're actually buying. Uh, I don't know how much their acquisitions are going to help them, but they did buy this trade deadline. But, you know, these are the teams that are just paying a lot of money for not a lot of return. And so that gives, again, the the kind of ammunition for owners to say, see, spending doesn't work. But then there's the flip side where Steve Cohen and the Mets, again, sent a lot of money over to buy prospects. And you're like, hey, wait. With the owners like that, because, you know, they've already tried to shrink the size of the minor leagues. They shrunk the amount of money that you can conceivably give to, you know, new draftees and international free agents. So how do they think of that? You know? Yeah, certainly if anyone knows what a uh, 
what a sunk cost is. It's Steve Cohen, so it's good to hear. I, I hadn't seen any of those uh, those quotes from him, so it's, it's good to hear at least one. Uh, I don't know owner. Or, I see he's not he's not a front office guy, but he's got a lot more influence in the front office than other other guys to to acknowledge that uh, sunk costs exist <laughs> and just move on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure whoever runs the Mets now, and I, I feel like they're doing the two-year plan because at some point he's just going to fire everybody and bring in a new front office. <laughs> but uh, at some point they had to go to Steve Cohen and say, hey, you okay with doing this? And he was just like, you know what, I'm worth billions of dollars, so let's just do it. <laughs> yeah, and it must yeah. be nice to do that, to just light all that money on fire and not really care so much. But, <laughs> you know, at, at least it's doing something for him. Yeah, we can we can actually switch over to the Cubs. So uh, the two main ones, I think that will help immediately. One is going to be Jamer Candelario, who is playing in tonight's game, the first game after the trade deadline. He's actually playing first base. And so I thought in the forum, hey, you know, where are they going to put these guys? Because, you know, you got to put Morel in the the lineup somehow even if they're putting him in DH, because at some point they have to play him defensively somewhere, right? But uh, right now he's the DH, and Madrigal's back, so Madrigal can play a really good third base, surprisingly, to all of us. And he's also hitting a, a bunch now, so you can't leave him out of the lineup. So that leaves first base now that they've actually DFA'd Trey Mancini. Uh, so... Yeah, that's that's the big one. The other one, I guess, is the reliever that they got from I just completely blanked, but I think it was the Royals. Uh, the Royals uh, sent over a reliever, Jose Quas, and uh, I think he's going to be one of those taxi squad guys who just yo-yos up and down. But the big one is is essentially Jamer Candelario, and he's already got a couple of I think they're infield hits, but. They're hits nonetheless, so he's already paying dividends. You just hope that he elevates the ball next time. Just more more runs for the Cubs, so more excitement for, for anyone who listens to this several hours later and can see that Cubs just hit double digits. <laughs> yeah, we like that. But, yeah, uh, I, I think he, he already kind of booted a ball, so, you know, a lot of fans were just kind of wondering, hey, can Jamer even play first base? I mean, he has d- done it before. He's a third baseman by by trade and by, you know, experience. Like, most of the time he has been at third base. I don't think he's actually played first base in, in quite a while. Uh, and, you know, he, he can catch a ball. He booted a ball. But that's just kind of the way it is sometimes, and yeah, I don't, I don't really mind that much. I mean, I mean, the bar is uh, pretty low compared to what they were getting from like Mancini and Hosmer and and all those other guys. So I'm not too worried about first base defense. I mean, there there was that whole kerfuffle with Mancini and London, and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's kind of be, a bummer, I think he'll be though. fine. I don't think he'll be yeah. playing there every day anyway. No, I think uh, it, it's probably a matchup thing. It does kind of help that he's a switch hitter, so they can put him in there every day. Maybe they use him as as the DH. Who knows, right? But uh, but then it, it kind of makes me wonder, where do you put Madrigal after that? And I know a lot of people are hating on Madrigal, but... 
he's hitting and he's playing defense. So you can't leave him out of the lineup right now. Yeah, you can move him around. I mean, not that I'm a huge Trey Mancini fan, but um, I'm actually kind of surprised that that he was the one who got the axe instead of uh, Patrick Wisdom, especially since they've got such a big uh, log jam at third base. Of well, I was saying log jam since there's not all these guys that are playing that good, but they got a lot of people who can play third base. Uh, I think he would have been squeezed out. I, I guess he's had a bit of a, a power surge over the past week or so that probably saved his roster spot, but. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised yeah. He's, he's still here. Yeah, Wisdom does have options, so they could potentially option him down and uh, you know, call someone else that. up. They could. I don't actually know. I'd have to look at Arizona Phil's list, but I feel like they could probably outright him if they needed to, just like they did with Edwin, Edwin Rios. So it, it's kind of interesting, too, right? Like it took two months for them to finally say, you know what, we don't want to deal with Eric Hosmer anymore. And then, you know, four months after after opening day, they were like, okay, you know what? You've run your course, Trey Mancini. Thank you for your services. And it kind of it's kind of a bummer for him, right? Because he he's such a nice guy and he has such a cool story, but he just wasn't performing and he he yeah. didn't look very good on defense either. So yeah, there's there's only so much you can do, but it does help, you know, free agents say you know what, the Cubs are really giving you a fair shake, even to the chagrin of all their fans. So maybe he, that helps. He, he got signed to a non-trivial deal, at least. So, I mean, the Cubs will be paying him probably another $10 million total with him off the roster. Like $7 million next year and $7 million total this year. So they probably paid about two-thirds of it. Yeah, so and I feel like... Right. Uh, That's yeah, probably why he's stuck around like, longer. <laughs> I do think they have a few days to try to to trade him, but actually the the the, the trade deadline's over. I I guess they can't do that. The only thing left is a release, so there's not much more they can do. Like he's gone, so you're right. They, like they have to pay that money, but again, sunk cost, right? Uh, the cool thing about Jamer's contract is that. Uh, they only have to play, pay the league minimum, so I think the Nats sent over the the balance of his contract minus the league minimum, so that they could get the two prospects that they got back. And that's also also interesting to me because these aren't top organizational prospects. They're like number fourteen and number sixteen, and Kevin Made, and uh, I think the other one was DJ Hers. So they they. You know, obviously very talented, but they had questions, right? So it's yeah, not I mean, like it's they... a, it's a, a guy who's probably going to be a reliever and maybe a guy whose ceiling seems at best to be like a, you know, backup utility guy. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not sweating that return too much. So then again, you know, the, the joke is, you know, how I just don't expect any prospect to succeed. So yeah. <laughs> take any of my analysis with a grain of salt. Yeah, I think the the Cubs are doing the right thing, building the farm system up. They're obviously spending. This is not a trivial uh, payroll right now. It's not obviously to Dodgers slash Mets slash Yankees uh, heights, but it's not trivial either. It's not like they're they're bone dry like the A's are, right? So you know that this team can spend and. What I'm hoping is that they're able to identify the right prospects uh, to call up to 
continue to develop and to trade for this coming off season so that you know they they can have a more rapid ascent so this this is actually a really good good sign that they're like well we're technically only at 500 but we're not selling we're keeping belly we're keeping stroman who probably can't be traded at this point anyway not not even you know if it wasn't the trade deadline and we're going to add uh, the best, essentially the best free uh, rental bat available. So it, it helps a lot to for us as fans. We like seeing, like you say, good baseball, like a team that's actually watchable. We like knowing that these games are meaningful, uh, even in such a crappy division. We like the fact that they're, you know, at least on paper, they're trying. So this is good. Yeah, I think I'm pretty happy with the deadline. I mean, maybe I could quibble and say it'd be great if they got another reliever, but the relievers are so volatile that, you know, who who knows if anyone they got would suddenly start sucking just because of small sample size. Right. But but overall, I, I think I'm pretty happy. I mean, the, their biggest hole was at first base and or at least corner infield, and I think they've done a good job of filling it. Um, I, I guess, I guess uh, you know, after... Uh, I was listening to the radio after Tucker Barnhart had a couple uh, well, but a couple wild pitches get by. You know, it, it was kind of a what would you say you do here moment. So if they could have picked up another catcher, that might have been great. But they already do have another catcher on the roster. They just need to play him. Yeah, I think Amaya needs more consistent playing time. Like you can DH Gomes if you want his bat in there and his wisdom. But I, I think. Like after they showed that they were willing to eat the cost of Trey Mancini's contract, it's only a matter of time before they eat Tucker Barnhart's contract too, because he's like dead space right now. Oh, he's terrible. I try not to get too upset about backup catchers because they they are generally bad. You know that's why they're backup catchers, but they you know bring whatever other intangibles or or nothing else. I don't know a personal catcher. or something else to the table and I, I just don't see what he's bringing other than what what I assume is like about a, a 200 OPS <laughs> yeah it's pretty bad right now I think he's been actually been hitting well over the past month or so but it, it's kind of not enough to justify being a bench warmer all the time you probably want a more versatile bat and that's probably why Patrick Wisdom stuck around too because he can at least play the corner outfield uh positions pretty adequately he can play third base when he wants to you know like uh not not exactly as well as he it was when he was first called up but you know he he has some pretty good plays every now and then and he of course he can also be at at first base so they they have options with him but i also feel like he's probably on the bubble so as soon as someone down in Iowa uh, starts making noise, even somebody like a David Bodie, you know, uh, I, I think Arizona Phil was saying that uh, they were keeping him down because of some contractual thing, which I wouldn't be surprised, but it's kind of a dick move, you know? <laughs> I mean, he was but, signed to a major league deal, so I think it doesn't matter where he is. Yeah. He's yeah. So he's going to get his money. money. But I, I think there was like a, some kind of weird service time thing going on. So I, I don't know how that works. I'd have to reread a Phil's article. But 
yeah, there there was something weird going on there. But I feel like, you know, if they were to to try to to get like a more versatile bat and a more powerful bat of contact bat, maybe they call up a Bodhi. But who knows, right? I mean, I certainly take him over uh, Mancini or Barnhart. Well, Mancini's gone. Wisdom or Barnhart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No uh, moves that they didn't make. We we can talk about Cody Bellinger. Uh, he he broke the scoreboard. Yeah, thank so. God. Well, not for the scoreboard breaking, but just that they didn't trade up. <laughs> yeah. So that that was the first vote of confidence, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, with Basically, keeping the band together, like, let, let's do a little brainstorm. Like, how would we reset the roster? And this is also assuming that at some point, Seiya Suzuki remembers he's supposed to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. Or or at least uh, average. I guess he is <laughs> kind of on track to be leave average. I don't remember what his... Uh, no, he's still or... above 100 uh, WRC+. plus, But it has been... So this is just me being a bad scout and probably my lying eyes, but it seems like his swings are very awkward. Like he's not even sure of himself. And yeah, when I mean, he does when you connect, when you when you hit the ball 100 miles an hour right at guys so many times, that definitely doesn't help your confidence. Yeah, he's been about 0.84, so I guess he's technically been a below league average player overall. Yeah. So. He's hitting the ball. He's hitting it hard. It's just in the ground. Or he's striking out at certain hittable pitches, which tells me that he's guessing. So, you know, a lot of the times, it, it seems to happen to a lot of these Cubs hitters. They they seem to guess because there are balls that are just kind of straight down the middle, and they're they're frozen. And that's that's basically the tell, right? They're guessing. Yeah. Uh, guess right. <laughs> Try to guess right more often than not, but. Again, baseball is hard, so I guess you got to give them a little leeway, but it's really frustrating when they had all those guys on base and then it's just strike a strike out, fly out, and it's ridiculous. Dansby Swanson is, is cool. Like he, he, could, he should probably still stay in the middle of the lineup yeah, because yeah. that happened. He might have just homered again. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Yeah. <laughs> What timing? Or, or you're probably a few seconds ahead of me. <laughs> oh, I'm just following in game day. So, you, you oh. know, like uh, with game day, they're slightly behind live action. And then uh, the stream is slightly behind game day. So I will be slightly ahead of you. <laughs> but it's definitely not live. Like I've been able to tune in to the games via Sirius XM, which I'm trying to figure out whether or not I want to cancel because it's. It's like I only listen to it when I'm in the car and I'm not in the car that much. But it, it's nice because uh, you, you have all those MLB serious stations and then you can tune into each individual game and the, the indicator will actually tell you what the score is and the innings and how many outs and stuff uh, as the game is being broadcast to you. But they only show the uh, the home side. So if it's a road game, you don't get Pat and, Pat and Ron Coomer. So. That kind of sucks, but it's it's also fun to hear it from the opposing uh, radio booth's point of view. Yeah, it can be good to mix it up every once in a while, but Pat Pat's so good that I mostly just want Pat. Yeah, 
Yeah, he had a really nice uh, Hall of Fame speech. Did you get to see a clip of that? Yeah, yeah. Pat is a he's a he's a class act. <laughs> Very eloquent. It, it wasn't yeah. as funny as a. It, so I, I saw this on YouTube uh, a few days ago because uh, I was searching for random stuff, and I guess the National Hall of Fame has a YouTube channel, and they were showing Euchre's uh, Hall of Fame speech when he got the. <laughs> That that was hilarious. He he basically did like a thirty minute stand up routine and everybody was just cracking up. It was great. Uh, so Pat didn't do that, but it was still still really nice to hear. Yeah, Pat Pat's humor is a little more dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was also nice. I don't think we had talked about this in the vlog a little bit the other day. Um, just while they were all at Cooperstown, they had. Uh, Matt Spiegel and uh, Lee Smeneker were doing the radio game. So I, I was out of town that weekend, so I had all all radio broadcasts. I, you know, I don't think Spiegel was great, but, but I don't know if he was necessarily bad. He just clearly just didn't have the didn't have the reps. So he was making making lots of mistakes, but mm-hmm. also calling attention to his mistakes a lot. But um, I thought I thought Elise was great uh, in color, and I hope she uh, backs up Coomer whenever Coomer is on vacation going forward. I would love to see yeah. her with uh, with Pat. I don't know if you listen I to any think, of those games or not. I think most of the time she does like sideline reporting when Taylor McGregor's not doing it. I think Taylor's okay, but Elise is definitely like really, really good. And she's actually been like the third person in the booth every now and then. And it seems like she knows her stuff. So yeah, it's, it's really nice to, to see more women getting involved in baseball for sure. Uh, do you get to listen to the games when Beth Moens does it? Um, yeah, I like Beth. All right. I don't think she's, she hasn't, I haven't tuned into any of her games lately, but, um, but yeah, she's good. She does, she, a lot does of, she does a lot of big 10 football games. So I, I, I associate her more with that. Oh, I get, I see. Yeah. I, I think she's like just the, the, the kind of replacement in the booth when JD and Boog need a day off or something, but she, she's yeah, usually when, when Boog is doing a ESPN lot. Exactly. Never, yeah. But Pat, Pat's been getting, drawing a lot of those lately <laughs> that's cool uh speaking of like getting access to the game you noticed that uh marquee started their their own uh streaming only app i think it's only for in market guys so you have to be in like chicagoland to get it so if you're out of market you still have to use mlb.tv like you're doing now but in market now you don't need a expensive as hell cable package you just pay the 20 <laughs> bucks a month to marquee and you get cubs games but at the same time it's like well some of these cubs games are going to fox some of these are going to espn some of them are going to peacock or apple tv so you're not getting the full experience for your 20 bucks a month but it's still nice to have you know we we're not definitely not in chicagoland so we wouldn't be able to take advantage of this but it's it's nice that they're doing this for the chicago people Yeah, it, it, it doesn't apply to me. I haven't really been paying attention to it either. <laughs> but I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah. So we were going to talk about the lineup before we got on our tangents. Uh, are you cool with uh, Talkman leading off? Yeah, I thought he's been great. Yeah, he, he's taken a lot of pitches, and he obviously has some power as uh, evidence today, at least. So 
Skid. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are starting to get frustrated with Nico Horner, but he's got a contact bat, so it makes sense for him to probably sneak down a little bit, right, if he's not going to get on base at as big of a cliff as he was earlier. Maybe he should be the contact bat and then move Morel up, you know. I think he's been the team leader in RBIs this year, if I remember right. That's kind of uh, weird because he – is hitting at the top of the lineup, so you don't usually don't get a lot of RBI opportunities that way. But that's pretty cool that he, he can do that. Let me fact check myself, but I think it's true. <laughs> Go to the Googles. Come on, Fangraphs. Or Fangraphs. Yeah. So at yeah, some point, 57 RBI. Morel's number so two he does at 49. Lead the team. Yeah. yeah. I guess Belly would lead the team if he wasn't hurt for like a month, but uh, that's pretty yeah, darn good yeah, for, for a guy. By, by, rate, by rate, it's definitely. Oh, actually, I take that back. By rate, it's actually Morel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like when Morel connects, right. yeah. <laughs> I feel like, like uh, yeah, so obviously the data might be a little different now that it's like almost 20 years after they published it, but the book used to say that the the big guy with power who strikes out a lot should be batting third. So it almost makes sense for Hap to move up to second or to lead off because he gets on base so much and then have Morel do, do, do batting third and then Cody Bellinger batting fourth. The yeah, other like option. Hap's leading the, the other, team in OVP, so that would be a good choice. <laughs> yeah. He sees the a lot other, of pitches, too. Uh, yeah. The other option is to have Cody Bellinger hit third so that, that he is always guaranteed in that bat in the first inning. But then that means you'd have to push Morel down, which is probably okay because he strikes out so much. But, you know, you load guys up and then you have Morel try to hit a grand slam and then you have a couple of contact guys behind him, you hope. And then whenever he comes back, like... Hey, say a Suzuki, like, let's say you're doing well, you're starting to have more confidence. Maybe he can bat fifth or sixth. So there's there's a lot of stuff that they could do with the lineup to tinker with it. But I, I don't think David Ross is. Uh, he, he's not eager to to change stuff around until he has to, you know. Yeah, it's been more of a good problem to have than uh what it was say two months ago so i'm not gonna nitpick too much no what's interesting uh is the rotation so i think uh the wesneski smiley piggyback seemed to work but that maybe that was just because they were going against a bad team the uh <laughs> jameson tyone's doing pretty good uh steel of course is doing well Here's the thing, though. Strowman, ever since he got to London, hasn't been doing well at all. So I don't think he's blaming the blister. So something is off mechanically. Like, he, you, you notice, like, if you go to game day and you track his pitches, and even as you're looking uh, at the live live feed, he's missing middle-middle. They are going to get destroyed, you know? So that that's a big command problem with him. Yeah, I mean, wh- whether or not it's the blister, it could just be a, a blister knock-on effect or, or something. Like he changes delivery a little bit or something along those lines. I don't know what it is. It's, 
it seems like he he'll probably get like a ten day IL stint. I wouldn't be surprised just to just to get right mm-hmm. or maybe even just to rest. Um, yeah. Just a I, couple I not, of I would not be surprised days. Yeah. yeah. I I think they have like a off day coming up, not this week but next week. So there could be a possibility that they could reset the the rotation and and see what's up. Like they're probably uh, two or three days away from having to make the back date decision, right? So yeah, if they were gonna do it, they'd do it now. Skip the start, have him come back. Uh, his next uh, the next off rotation. day isn't until Thursday of next week. Yeah. So that that kind of aligns with uh, resetting the rotation, so that Strowman can come back the the day after, right? Did I do my math right? Oh, it would be the tenth. <laughs> yeah. Ten? Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, I was misinterpreting what you were saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You'd be you'd be right. No, I, I can't do math in my brain very well anymore. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's I, I, just, I just tell computers to do my math for me. That's my whole job. <laughs> Weren't you a math major? Yep. <laughs> All right. It's a, a math major, not an arithmetic major. I mean. That's true. Okay. <laughs> you, you understand numbers, just not what to do with them. <laughs> all, all, all my numbers are Greek letters. Uh, great. Yeah, so uh, I think they do need Stroman to get back to form. They need Hap to start hitting for power. They need Suzuki to hit, period. <laughs> and they need to figure out what to do with guys like Wisdom and Barnhart who aren't playing a lot anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, this is good. And it does help that the Cardinals are blowing it up. Unfortunately, they did it before or or after they had faced the club, so we didn't get any major benefit. But it was nice to actually win the, win the series uh, season series again. But we do get to play the Mets next week too, at least. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll still get some of that. But it would, I don't know. I, I'd, feel, I'd feel equally, uh, equally pleased to humiliate the Mets as I would the Cardinals. At well, least I uh, deserve it. It's the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> at least on behalf of Ron Santa. Yeah, I think he would be very thrilled with today's game. Uh, I think. Uh, it's cool too that attendance is still improving for us. Uh, as baseball fans, the the uh, attendance has been trending up. You know, the MLB communications account still still uh, it continually says attendance has better than it was like six years ago or seven years ago or whatever. They they compare weekend by weekend. And I think a lot of it has to do with the pitch clock. Like this game's just running faster. A lot of people are sealing bases. Hits are getting through. It's a lot of fun now. Yeah, I've seen even, uh, a different podcast. Uh, I don't remember which one that, um, you know, they, they've broken it down by day. And actually the, the day that's seen the biggest attendance bump is Tuesdays. Like Tuesday, like like weekday night games. Oh, you know, really? it's nice okay. to it's nice to know that you know you could go to a game and still get home and not be dead at work the next morning or or school once the school year starts again. Yeah, because the seven o'clock game will be done before ten ten most nights. So yeah, y- yeah, you're you're home in bed by eleven, even if you take public transit. It's pretty good. Yeah, I think too. Even aside from the uh, the average uh, game time you know, shifting down by what half an hour or whatever. 
the the variance in game times is also pretty low. So there, even then, there's a lot fewer longer games, right? They're more, mm-hmm. they're more uh, compactly uh, <laughs> distributed around that average. Yeah. yeah, and even with the occasional like blow up or bench bench clearing brawls, uh, it's still you know finishing on time. So that's good for baseball. It's good for parents who want to take their kids to games on school nights and work nights. It's good for everybody. Yeah. And the Cubs have been just been running wild all throughout. I think Nico has, you're still on fan graphs, right? Does he have 30 stolen bases now? It's uh, way up there. He's at 25. Okay. So he, he should be able to sniff 40 if he uh, continues at this pace. Uh, I'm pretty sure he'll get the 30. 40 is probably a stretch, but yeah, it's kind of cool to see that. Uh, you're not going to get like Ricky Henderson's stealing 130 bases anymore, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. I, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how they work on strategy to try to quell some of that next year, but I really hope they don't. I just hope they keep running wild. So a lot more fun of a game when people are running around all over the place, chasing after the ball. Yeah, it's been a, it's been kind of surprising how uh, just stolen, at least, at least vibes wise, how stolen bases have kind of gone this year. So early in the season, it was, you know, a big talking point because of uh, the rule changes in the off season. And it seems like, maybe, or maybe it was just the Cubs, like their stolen base rate seemed to go down. Uh, this, you know, this is all uh, anecdata. data. Stolen base rate seemed to go down uh, just kind of around the league in general, at least from the games I watched from, mm-hmm. you know, once like May and June. And now people seem to be stealing bases again. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those things where they just look at a lot of film, get people's uh, tendencies and just learn when is the best time to go. Uh, there's been some very funny uh, toot lands I, I've seen <laughs> in videos, but for the most part, like if if a guy decides to go, he's usually safe now. It's like uh, 80% success rate, right? So I, I think it's really good for the game. And I think at some point they have to do something with those up the middle hits, but I don't think they're really uh, eager to just change it right off uh so quickly so you're still not going to see the pie wedge rule that they were talking about but uh yeah i, yeah. I was kind of hoping they wouldn't do it it just seems like such a weird rule to you know it's the kind of thing where like you know it's good to have rule changes but if it's something that takes more than like five seconds to explain to someone who doesn't know what it is yeah it's probably not a good rule that, that, that's what it seems like to me yeah. it's maybe, basically maybe, the restricted area under the basket in basketball but uh, maybe they don't need to do that. Like, if you hit it hard enough and it goes through, you know, you deserve that hit. And if the guy makes the play, even though he's standing right there, maybe he deserved to make that play. So uh, try not to hit it there. But also, I, I think they, they need to still rebalance the game a little bit against the pitchers because the pitchers are still way better than the hitters. Like, I don't know. I mean, that seems yeah. like too tinkering. I mean, at least, at least to me, um, like the kind of extreme shifts that that teams were doing didn't uh, didn't didn't feel like baseball. But but having you know have someone play up the middle that didn't really bother me that much. And I'm just comparing it to 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 what 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 people would complain about in 
beer league softball versus <laughs> <laughs> and just translating that up. Yeah, you get the the random short center fielder, <laughs> or you you can't play any closer than the, this random line of a girl is up to to bat, and it's just like, <laughs> dude, some girls can hit it really far. Forget that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just uh, so so these rules, uh, they they probably could be tweaked, but for the most part, I think baseball did the right thing, and the attendance numbers and the interest uh, definitely seems to have translated from that. Cool. So uh, not including tonight, there are 55 games after tonight. So this will be like the 56 games. So let's say the Cubs win tonight, they'll be 54 and 53. Uh, That gives you 55 games remaining. So from 54 wins, they need to get to about 86 to get into the wild card. And 86 might be enough to to actually win the division as well. So what what is that? Like 32 and 23. So that's like a 600 clip if I'm doing my math any kind of right. Yeah, that's not unreasonable, I think. Just. Just from when I was looking up when that off day was, I mean, the rest of this month, I mean, they've got games against the and Mets. Man. Well, I mean, they got they got the rest of Atlanta the, the next two weeks, but then the rest of the month yeah. it's like they got the Mets, another series of the White Sox, the Royals, the Tigers, the Pirates. I mean, there's also a series of the Blue Jays and the Brewers in there, but yeah, they they, they can rack up some wins this month if they uh, I, I actually think they can step up and beat some bad teams. I think they can hold their own against the Brewers. The Brewers didn't actually do that much, and neither did the Reds, for that matter. I think the Reds are holding serve because they basically are like, wow, we got lucky with Ellie De La Cruz and CES, uh, Encarnacion Strand, uh, and all these guys just playing out of their minds. Joey Votto's resurgent. Like, we don't really need to do anything. They made, like, maybe a trade, but uh, they didn't do I think nearly as much as say the Cubs did. And I also don't think their pitching is going to hold up, but I, I have no scientific basis for saying that it, it's mostly just, it's the Reds. Something's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. The Brewers, I think they're just waiting for reinforcements and their injured guys. I think Woodruff's finally coming back soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they did get uh, Mark Canna and, uh, Carlos Santana. So technically, those are offensive upgrades since Rowdy Tellez isn't doing so hot. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like the Cubs definitely have a chance. They're still only like what five games out of first. So so after tonight, it, it should be four games uh, unless we inadvertently curse them and they're going to like give up ten unanswered <laughs> runs. Which I really hope doesn't happen because that would totally cancel this podcast. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's doable, and I hope it does happen. And if it doesn't, like it, it's really nice that they decided to just buy and keep us interested. You know, that that's what all teams want their ownership to do: just keep us interested, make it worthwhile. You know.
think we're out of things to say. So I think this was probably a good time to tune into the rest of this game, hope for the best. And uh, yeah, we'll come back. Hopefully next time we come to you, like the Cubs will be much closer to the first place, uh, having their renewed optimism and performing, as Jeff would say, uh, playing baseball better or playing better, better baseball. Play better. They're doing it. Yep. Yep. And they are playing better. It's, it's been fun and I hope, yeah, there, there's a lot more excitement going on and, you know, some of these gate receipts and merch sales translate into them going after Shohei Otani in the winter because he also (laughs) wasn't traded. Yes. I, I would enjoy that. Because you saw the, way, the, I think I way out on a limb there and say that it would be great if the Cubs signed Shohei Otani. And you you saw right the the Mets are probably not going to spend out the nose for anybody this winter. We'll 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 believe it when we see it. But if that's the case, then it's basically down to L.A. and and the Cubs for Shohei Otani. Because I'm not entirely sure he will stay with the Angels if they don't make the playoffs this year. You could go to Seattle. Some other teams could make a play for him, I think. Yeah, certainly, certainly, been, the, certainly the Ichiro connection would be a would be a big draw. Yeah, as I was thinking, like they they used to spend some crazy money on some random contracts too. But yeah, I, I feel like he would probably go to where he's going to make the most money though, and he's going to make an obscene amount of money. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's going to the Dodgers, though. <laughs> but yeah. it, it would be, it would be, it would, I'd be glad to be wrong. Yeah. Well, this has been uh, another episode, trade deadline edition of the Dreamcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thanks to Jeff for hanging out. You can find us doing whatever uh, when we're not, you know, when we're supposed to be working at obstructiveview.net. Uh, you can find us hanging around the frozen husk of now X, formerly Twitter, uh, probably the other socials as well. Uh, if you have questions, it's World Series Dreaming at gmail.com. Uh, thank Rich Deanna for a theme song and Randall Sanders for pulling the final out call from the 2016 World Series by Hall of Famer Pat Hughes. Any last words, Jeff? Go Cubs. Sounds great to me. Uh, hope all this trade stuff works. And if it doesn't, well, they tried. And I appreciate More that. More than just a game.